passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. This Saturday, post-wrestling turns five years old. John Way, happy anniversary. This is Greg from Scotland. The last ten years of my life I've listened to you guys and, you know, it's got me through some good times, some hard times, but it's been a constant. Thank you so much and here's to the next five, ten, fifteen years. Cheers, guys. Hi, John Way and all the team over at Post Wrestling. Just want to say congratulations on the fifth anniversary. And want to also thank you for being a big part of my life over the last five years. And during the day, the house is completely empty. So I tended to leave Post Wrestling on all day. And whether it was an MCU review or a rewind away, anything like that, that I could just leave on all day. And if I went downstairs to make a cup of tea or coffee, I could just zone in for a few moments. Forget about what was going on at work or in the world around me. But even just hearing what other people's stories were, we all had that common bond of wrestling. It was quite nice to have that sort of post-wrestling family and that really meant a lot especially during the early lockdown stage I know I'm a little bit of a lurker on the forums and stuff but again I always listen to you on demand and just keep up the great work from here in the UK Get your tickets at postwrestling.com slash live this Saturday November 19th at QXT's nightclub starting at 1pm Hello. <laughs> it is John Pollock, oh, the man who single-handedly saved this show this week, joined by Wei Ting, yeah. who tried to sabotage this broadcast tonight, but I would not let it happen. Well, you know, how, John, we, how, we, how many minutes were we into that show? Three, four minutes? I would say a good four. So, some of the uh, best bands that we've ever had, gone. It will never be heard from again. Hey, we've only been doing this for, for five years. You know, you can't blame me for forgetting to hit the go live button once in a while. Okay. 
Um, but thankfully you caught it before we got into really any, any, um, heavy lifting. I, I, I will say, did you do any heavy lifting today with snow? Did you <laughs> oh, shovel? I certainly did. Yeah. No, it, it feels like the, you know, the, uh, it was just fall and then winter just uh, overnight. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to replicate what we, what we just talked about and it's, it's always awkward. So yeah, it's, it's, it's really snowy outside. <laughs> Way are we live? <laughs> Silence. <laughs> this time we are. Yes. Yes, we got a lot of snow today in Toronto. It was uh, we got snow on Tuesday, but it was it was not terrible. It wasn't like uh, crazy snow. Today was it was like crazy snow in the morning. I had to, I had to go out at like seven thirty in the morning to, to shovel and clear off our car. It's like oh my god, no, oh, terrible. The joys of being uh from Canada. Why do you not live here? not as bad as other places in Canada? We we don't we don't have it so you know in Winnipeg it's just. I mean, it's it's like minus fifteen year round there. I know I'm generalizing, and that's not true as I react to my my mentions tomorrow. But it's pretty cold in Winnipeg. I think I think um, it only seems maybe bad for us because uh, of the interruption in our routine. You know, I, I I don't know necessarily to make time to shovel my driveway or or to you know give myself an extra five minutes to just get the snow off of my car. Whereas like people who might experience this sort of or constant weather year round one particular climate year round, I mean, you're kind of, you know, already used to it. It's the having to get used to it every single season that, you know, probably makes us complain about it so much. Well, it's here. Winter has arrived. Um, we tonight will be going through Dynamite, the go-home edition, heading into full gear, which is going to be a very big weekend. You have plans this weekend, way? I think I do, yes. I think I'll, I'll be uh, out of town, actually. Yes. Um, hopefully... Hopefully the snowstorm that's going to hit Buffalo will uh hopefully we will uh avoid that. Buffalo is pretty far. Yeah, I think I, I think New York I, I New think York. we're good. I think I think we'll be okay. Uh but yes, coming up this weekend, it is it is full gear on Saturday night, but the main event this weekend is the post wrestling 5-year anniversary show this coming Saturday. Doors open at 12:30 and then Brayden and Davey will be taken to the stage at 1 o'clock. For a huge game. This is going to be one of their biggest and best ever. So you will not want to miss this. Not just a, a big game. I, I think a big announcement. What? Have they bought a wrestling company? Have they signed somebody? Huh? Okay. I mean, we'll, we'll find out. Okay. They're going to be making a big announcement. Big announcement. Live in, in the house is the only way you're going to hear about this. Uh, y- yes. 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 They won't even tell us what it is. I know it, but um, oh, you know it. Okay, if they embargoed you, I'm uh, I'm out of the loop. I might have an idea, but I don't know. So that's coming up on Saturday, and then uh, Way and I will be uh, following them with a a live Q and A. So if you're in attendance, come with your questions, and we are going to be answering all of them this coming Saturday. VIP tickets also available, which allows you the special VIP meet and greet treatment right after the show. You'll get to leave with with a T-shirt. That says, hey, I met John and Way, and this is the lousy T-shirt I got. I mean, it's, it's a much nicer T-shirt than that, but it's uh, d- well worth um, coming just for the T-shirt alone. We'll have merch on sale, live band in the house. This is going to be a lot of fun. A lot of people that are going to be descending upon new- Newark from the post-wrestling universe. So we hope to see many of you there on Saturday. And I want to thank all the people uh, that have uh, sent in their voice messages over the last month. Um, I am going to be posting... 
all of them uh, later this week all together because I don't have enough spots and I'm sure people are maybe wearing thin of all of these uh, spots that I've filled into the shows. I've uh, no, that, You never need an excuse to, you know, uh, put, put positive uh, feedback for, for us, John. You should include them into every single show from this point forward. I, like I feel a little bit vain putting all of these in. It's, no, uh, but, but nonetheless, it's uh, my, my cap is at the, that's at, and I'm putting like three in a show, but I, I do truly appreciate. I've listened to all of them and, uh, we'll, we'll post all of them up on the free feed, uh, before the end of the week. So you can hear all of them. So if you submitted one and didn't hear it on the show, it will be uh, used and heard, uh, by everyone. And we'll put the, the whole unedited messages on there because I did have to, uh, cut down many messages for time. So, uh, that's, and this, this is also, of course, for the audio feed. Um, those of you watching, I, I suppose you're not necessarily going to get those, but subscribe to us on Apple podcasts, Google stitcher. That is predominantly where most of our audience still is. And uh, maybe this is going to be like a big Lucha event. Maybe we're going to have a big walk up. Uh, if so, postwrestling.com slash live for last minute tickets. Um, VIP tickets are pretty much uh, just about gone, if not already gone. But uh, general admission tickets uh, still available. And that gives you the Braden and Davey experience. Uh, Q&A with us will be up there for about 90 minutes. And you get to mingle, hang out with a lot of listeners. And then you can head over to full gear and say, man, the night, the day started awesome with, with John and Way. Let's see if AEW can top it. I mean, we're going to be setting, setting the bar high on Saturday afternoon. I, I, I hope, I hope that we can live up to it. Will there be a post uh, five year anniversary press conference? Uh, maybe there will be. Maybe, maybe Brandon uh, Thurston is going to uh, come in with some cupcakes and then start fielding questions. Okay. All right. Well, I'll I'll be sure to. Um, That's the Q and A portion. That'll that'll be our press conference. Maybe I'll maybe I'll bring some muffins. Okay. Mindy's. Uh, you know. Uh, sure. We should have got Magnolia. Go to Magnolia. Okay. Uh, so there you have it, everybody. That was our final promo for the fifth anniversary show coming up this this Saturday. Uh, also, uh, want to make note that. The stars aligned on Tuesday night. The five brightest in the universe all came together for the review of uh, Black Panther 2, Wakanda Forever. Uh, Way, you went to go see this film over the weekend, and look at this all-star panel. W.H. Park, Rich Fan, Nate Milton, and Scrump all joined by waiting as they all shared their thoughts i mean i would listen to you five talk about anything much less a movie that i'm very uh, i've not seen yet but i did start listening to a bit of the review so um i've i've, I've already been a I, i've gotten my own sneak peek at the you've movie. been a little bit spoiled okay well that's all right john um yeah i had so much fun just talking about this movie with uh, all, all four of these gentlemen and uh, all of them very knowledgeable and i think all of us with our own sort of like little connection to you know um the mcu and in particular this particular movie black Pan black panther wakanda forever um we actually put up uh sneak preview segments pretty much like you know the first 15 minutes 10 to 15 minutes out on our free feeds both on the uh, podcast as well as our youtube feed so if you want to go check that out you can go ahead um i will also say if you're an apple podcast subscriber and if you want a free trial of the post wrestling cafe you can simply go to uh, library and then click on shows and then click on post wrestling and then you can join the the try free i believe it says it's, there's a try free option so you can sign up and uh experience us seven days for free wow well there you go what a what, what a great offer right there um did you know well maybe you you know did you notice kamaru usman's in the movie oh yeah oh okay did it come up 
I it did not come up in our discussion, but I, I noticed him in okay. the movie. Yeah, I won't ask any How more did you questions because they showed the clip on the UFC pay per view on the weekend. Oh, okay, yeah, they got an exclusive clip to to show, and it, it yeah. doesn't seem like a giant role, but that's that's pretty impressive that he was. He's, in it. He had a speaking line, or yeah, or yeah. Two. yeah. Very yeah, good for him. Pretty cool for him. Yeah, that's cool. All right, uh, so check that out. If you're a post wrestling cafe member, you can uh, jump on board. Uh, Six dollars to get you in the door for the cafe, and uh, Rewind Away will be coming back next week with NWA TNA from December of 2002. I was looking at the lineup today. Oh boy, NWA TNA never disappoints, especially in 2002. We're gonna have everything from a chairs and chains match to the dichotomy of AJ Styles versus Amazing Red in 2002. So covering the gamut. Kurt Hennig challenging Jeff Jarrett for the NWA title. I mean, Jeff Jarrett, the eternal glue of professional wrestling eras from one pay-per-view to another. We really should just, you know, rename the show and just dedicate it all to Jeff Jarrett's career. I mean, that is kind of the history of professional wrestling is kind of built around Jeff Jarrett, it seems. So, uh, yes, all of that coming out. Uh, patrons also Friday night. I'm looking forward to this. Kate from Montreal and Nate Milton coming together. Uh, they will be sitting in these seats, not these literal seats, but you get the drift for Rewind to Smackdown to chat about uh, Friday night show from Smackdown in Hartford and then Rampage, a very interesting episode of Rampage that is coming up featuring the AEW in-ring debut of Junakiyama the night before Full Gear, where they will be at at the Prudential Center. And then Saturday night, I don't know when, I don't know how, but we will have a full gear post show. I was doing the math in my headway. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a very late night on Saturday. That is my prediction. And I think we have a, a decently early morning on Sunday. So, um, <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm ready. I'm prepared, John, you know, between the Q&A in the morning or I, I should say one o'clock. Uh, but we'll have to start doing some prep in the morning until the press conference um, and then the review afterwards. I mean, I'm I'm going to be up for quite a while, I'm sure. Well, we we both will be. So it's going to be quite the weekend. Uh, that That is for sure. So look mm-hmm. out for that. The Full Gear Post Show. I'm not going to give a time. It'll be late on, on Saturday night slash, yeah. well, Sunday morning is realistically what it's uh, go- going to be. But that will be in your feed Sunday when you wake up, hopefully. Your, uh, fingers crossed. And we'll probably still try to go live, you know, depending on how our internet connect- connection is. But um, some some this is for the, this is for our UK listeners, okay? This is our gift yeah. for you because it'll probably be breakfast uh, for all of you. Mm-hmm. All right, let's get into uh, some of the news. Uh, we'll keep it short because we're going to do a preview of the pay per view after uh, we review Dynamite. But a few news and notes to go through. Uh, Tony Khan did put out a tweet that they are approaching a million dollar gate for the fifth time this year. Uh, this would be after Double or Nothing. Forbidden Door, All Out, and Grand Slam. So really since May, um, this one, they've passed the 900,000 mark, and they are doing what, what they did for the last one, I believe, where whoever is the one that purchases the ticket that puts them over a million gets some signed chair with everybody on the show. So it looks like they are within striking distance of another million-dollar gate, which is um, uh, very impressive to have you know the potential of five of these in such a short uh, time period, much less the entire year. And I'm kind of curious, wait, as we finished off the show, um, are, are you expecting a show that if, if we look at the all out number, which was about one, I think the estimate is 137,000, if I'm not mistaken, are you going higher or lower uh, for 139,000 from WrestleNomics was all out? Hmm. Are you going okay. higher and lower uh, this time around a punkless pay-per-view? I'm going to say lower. John, you know, I think CM Punk truly has that big of an effect on um, business. Um, 
I'm just not sensing as much buzz or at least positive buzz for for the company since all out. Um, and yeah, and that's pretty much all my justification. You know, sometimes we have pay-per-views where it's like different things that you can look at. It's, it's to me, these are, it's two matches and, and, and really it's the title match and the elite. I think the elite could be with anybody, no disrespect to death triangle. It's, it's a great match, but it's the elite appearing and how much that meant. I thought they did the, I thought they handled it properly tonight. No, not leaving it ambiguous about whether they're going to be there, whether it'll be a match or not. They made it clear. So you mm-hmm. know what you're getting. And I think, I think you had to do that. You could not leave it vague for Saturday. I don't know if you had to, John. I think they, they already made it pretty obvious, you know, for an audience that I think pays attention, but, um, it I don't think it was clear happen. they were having a match. I think like there was allusions to it. I think everyone knew they were showing up, but was it a match? And I right. thought tonight you, you could have argued they maybe could have even done this earlier, but you know, that's, it should be the big buzz for the last couple of days is the elite, which I think will will dominate the focus going into Saturday. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, moving on, we have the raw numbers from Monday. They did a million six hundred forty eight thousand viewers, a point four four in the demo, up three percent, which was actually pretty good considering they were against a stronger NFL uh, game. They were going against the uh, uh, the the Eagles that were playing that were undefeated going into the game on Monday night. So. Um, the fact that they were up against a stronger football game, um, that was, you know, positive. The rest of the, the show, it was really some small gains in most of their key demos. 18 to 34 was up 4%. The decline over the three hours was 18% in viewership. And really, it was just the usual third hour drop, very consistent through hours one and two. And then you had the, you know, uh, uh, the big drop in hour three, which, is just the detail that we talk about every single Monday. So th- this to me was a very regular number. I don't have a whole lot to take from it. It was slightly up last week and had more competition. So I think you take that during football season of, you know, a a good number for, for Raw. Cool. NXT was a more interesting number. 633,000 viewers, which was down 5% from last week. However, they were up 14% in 18 to 49. It was their highest in about a month. It was their highest 18 to 49 since that show that they loaded up going against Dynamite with the main roster. And the big jump was among women in the key demo, which were up 69% from last week. And this was the highest, this was the second highest number of women 18 to 49 in the history of the NXT 2.0 era. This was its highest number since that second week of the rebranding. So I like this was a pretty loaded up show. You had the last woman standing match where Mandy Rhodes retained against Elba Fire. You kick things off with Braun Breaker retaining the title against Von Wagner that I would say all things considered, uh, I did not have extremely high expectations for that match. And I thought for a Von Wagner match, it was perfectly acceptable uh, for, for what it was. And then you also set up the the next contender with Apollo Crews and Shawn Michaels had an announcement to to make, which we will also discuss. But yeah, women 18 to 49. I mean, dude, Shawn Michaels has an announcement. They are there. It, it, do you think those things were, were really the difference makers? I guess it was a combination, but it's not like NXT has not had loaded up shows like this. This was not, you know, a big special. Like there were some sizable matches, but this was just um, abnormally high. And this was going against a NBA game, a college basketball game. And Fox News had big viewership with uh, Donald Trump making his announcement that he's running in 2024. So you did have quite a lot going on otherwise, but 
the NXT rule um, is undefeated, that it doesn't matter what is happening out there. So I, I would say, like, it was just an extremely high number of uh, of women 18 to 49. Men 18 to 49 were actually down 11%, so no no correlation there. Um, and in Canada, it did, uh, on Sportsnet 360, 62,000 viewers, which was also its, its highest viewership in Canada since April, so... Some good news from NXT overall, even though their viewership in the U.S. was down, um, their more important numbers uh, were up this week. So th- there was something to Tuesday Night Show. And if you tuned in for that announcement, it was uh, Shawn Michaels coming out. And uh, I want to get the, the exact wording here of their match that they have announced. Uh, many people will be familiar that it was uh, a match that sounded very familiar to the past. It is an Iron Survivor Challenge matches that will take place at deadline. There will be a men's and a women's match. So let's get the uh, the exact rules here um, as written by Andrew Thompson. So the match will be there's going to be five competitors in each match and they will enter in intervals. Once all five talents are in the ring, they'll have 25 minutes to determine who can score the most falls. If one is pinned or submitted, they'll spend time in a penalty box. Remember, penalty box, folks, in a match stipulation. The wrestler with the most falls at the end of the 25 minutes will earn a shot at the NXT Championship or Women's Championship. Um, The way I read it was that it would be... The 25 minutes doesn't start when all five are in, when all five are in. I think that time begins. The match length is 25 minutes, I think. So it's actually more advantageous to be there early because you can then score falls. But you're also more tired by the end. You're also more tired by the end. You could also be, it's a very, I've seen it working. Like this is very much like the King of the Mountain match in TNA where instead of, you know, that the concept was you had to pin someone and then you're eligible to climb the ladder and put the title on top, but you've got to pin someone first. And if you get pinned, then you go into the penalty box. So this is you pin. It's the most pins wins. And once you get pinned, you go into the box. Yes, that is correct. Yeah. Um, it can be a little convoluted as, as I'm sure like most match types um, are, but the first time you hear about it, but I'm actually kind of looking forward to it. I like the fact that they're not simply retreading, you know, something that's happened in the past. I don't think it's complicated to the point where it's a turnoff. I think it's, you know, you don't, you need a little bit of explaining, and I think you need sort of the first sample to really kind of need to see it because it's the same as King of the Mountain, where that was the most, it still is, it's the most confusing match to explain to people, but seeing it in practice, there were enough of those that worked. We'll see here in execution if, if this is one. What One positive they have is, I'm not going to say this NXT crowd is the easiest crowd to work in front of, but it's just about. It's a yeah. crowd that just, they love everything. And that is a great benefit when you have uh, new things that you're trying out. There's no fear of an audience turning on a match from the True. Crowd. Yeah, but the dis- but the, the, that's countered with the disadvantage of, you know, what looks to be... I mean, depending on the on the people that they pick out to to participate in the match, you, you might be talking about a lot of you know inexperienced um, people. Of course, they're like you know you have your JD McDonough's and whatnot that you know are 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 more than you know uh, veterans by this point. But um, I'm also curious to know like who they're trusting to put into this match to test out this brand new concept because um, 
they're trying to sell a new property here is what they're doing with this first instance. And, and therefore I'm sure they really want it to be a success. Um, man, when did Shawn Michaels like turn to Jose Lothario? I mean, way, this is how life works when you get older, like you, he's not, uh, like uh, he's, he's getting older. Yeah, I I know, man. I know, but you know what? He's like, he, I, I I like I like him as a figurehead. You know, he he's got um, all the credibility in the world, and um, you know, has has made a name for um being the first of to to do many different match types. So, all right, cool. Yeah, I'm 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 curious to see it. And this is that show that's the same day as Final Battle. It's that really long day with a UFC pay per view in there too. Okay, yeah, we're kind of used to that by this point. Progress Wrestling, they announced earlier this week that they would be going to Dubai in December. And this was met with a, a lot of backlash because of uh, some of the uh, not-so-progressive laws uh, w- within the country. And th- th- there's a good rule to have out there. When your initial announcement is then followed up by a thousand-word explanation as to why you're doing it, that's probably a bad sign. That's, that's my overall rule. Right. Um, I mean, let, let me read, I haven't read it. So let, yeah, let, let, let me, me read a bit. This is, I'm not reading the entire uh, response that progress put out, but this is like the, the key portions of it. Progress wrestling has always prided itself on being slightly edgy, unconventional and seen as a promotion that does not shirk any challenges. We want progress to be not only the best professional wrestling promotion it can be, but also a platform that can support and empower positive change. Our first show in Dubai, Sons and Daughters in the Desert in December, sums up this challenge and the delicate approach we take, we need to take for a very sensitive issue. The opportunity to host an event in Dubai was taken with much consideration and planning and with the intention to provide our fans both in the UK and across the world with the chance to watch our brand. We acknowledge this may not be an obvious place to host a progress wrestling show, but then again, we pride ourselves on not being an obvious promotion and we are always looking at new and exciting opportunities to continue to grow alongside keeping true to our roots and values. In the past 12 months, Progress has seen the new management team of Martin Best and Lee McAteer take over the company and with the help and support from many behind the scenes and thousands of loyal fans and talented wrestlers, together we have helped restore the promotion after a very tough period for Progress with the combined impact of the pandemic and the background of speaking out. The opportunity arose for us to have a show in Dubai fully funded by ourselves, not by any government or council in which we can showcase our women's division on a global stage. Not only that, but we can build upon uh, Mo's efforts by not only having the first ever women's world championship match in the area, but having the show hosted by a woman. Um, Will Cooling at uh, Pro Wrestling Torch has also uh, written about this and has also written about the group they are partnering with, WrestleFest DXB. Um which is run by an individual who has presented cards in the past that he noted with female wrestlers and LGBTQ plus performers. And it's unknown kind of what the relationship is between a uh, WrestleFest, but um, there's also like an involvement with the government run Dubai sports council. And from Will Cooling's um, article, he, he kind of writes about this as well. Like what are the expectations of this Dubai sports council um kind of being involved and, you know, potentially helping uh, this show as well. It's it's a story that, listen, I, I don't look at, like, progress as, you know, being 
under the microscope anywhere close to a WWE, nor do I expect them to be making um, like we, we don't even know what they are getting from this. This is more so um, the story is more so just that there has been a lot of negativity in response to this from 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 the fan base as well, enough that they felt the need to address it in this extremely uh, lengthy statement. But there, there's obviously their their business reasons for doing this and just what kind of response there will be to a show like this and you know progress they have certainly battled a lot of bad press over a number of years now as we're talking about it and this this is kind of the, the first time with the new ownership i would say like it's gotten a lot of attention on something mm-hmm. yeah it's um i'm sure a, a difficult situation for a company like theirs to be in i mean the name alone is is progress and i think therefore it's it's probably an audience and a fan base that holds them to a different standard than you know, most sports um, entities or uh, entertainment entities, I suppose. Um, I, I won't really say much more. I haven't read the explanation yet, so we'll leave it at that. And the final uh, note that we have here is, uh, I believe that's everything. We have Israel uh, Adesanya. Israel Adesanya. Yeah. So this story uh, had just come out this afternoon. So this was, um, so Israel Adesanya was on his way back to New Zealand, and um, this is right from TMZ. So Israel Adesanya was arrested Wednesday afternoon for criminal possession of a weapon at JFK Airport in New York City, TMZ Sports has learned, after the UFC superstar was allegedly busted while going through security with metal knuckles. The arrest was made by the Port Authority Police Department near the TSA screening area near the American Airlines terminal around 1.57 p.m. Brass knuckles are illegal in the state of New York. It's also illegal to carry them on your person or in your carry-on bag. So make note of this way when we're traveling this weekend. Um, it's unclear when, where the alleged brass knuckles were stored, and it's unclear if cops will issue Adesanya a desk appearance ticket or if he'll remain in custody. And then there was an update later in the day from his manager, Tim Simpson, who gave a statement to TMZ. Israel was handed a gift by a fan, which he put in his luggage. When flagged at the airport, Israel quickly disposed of the item and cooperated with authorities. He has complied accordingly with that. The matter was dismissed and he is on his way home. So it looks like there's no outstanding issue coming from this. So another rule, along with the length of a, of a response to your initial statement, do not just blindly take gifts from bands and put them into your baggage uh, as you are about to get on a plane. What fan just gives a concealed weapon to a fighter? Sorry, as, what, was, what was the weapon? Brass knuckles. Okay. Brass knuckles. Like that's, an, I mean, that's, an, that's an odd gift to give someone, isn't it? Uh, I mean, is, is they're about to tra- travel back home overseas. Well, we don't know the reason. I mean, if I don't know, maybe maybe it was it's for a prop from a movie that he really loves. Um, I don't think it's that unusual for for a UFC fighter to receive a gift like that, but probably a bad idea right before you're getting on a plane. Okay, it's a hell of a prank to pull on somebody. Uh, it would be, yeah. If they, I, I suppose, if they didn't realize it. I mean, how many brass knuckles do you think William Regal gets? You know, from from fans. How does he travel? Yeah, maybe maybe this can be worked into uh, some kind of future angle with with Regal and like he plants something on like MJF or something at the airport. Mm. Well, I mean, he, he MJF's weapon of choice is a ring. They're not checking him for that. Well, it looks like this uh, this all ended fine for uh, Israel Adesanya, who he ended up doing like the media rounds on Monday after his mm. title loss. I listened to most of it. It was uh, very interesting to hear him, like very level headed about the loss on on Saturday. Not um, 
it was just interesting to hear because sometimes like we've seen fighters that it's just, you know, it's it's a devastating um, life event for them when, you know, you suffer such a significant loss. And he kind of just uh, hit the ground running on Monday in New York and did a bunch of interviews, like lengthy sit downs and hasn't watched the fight back yet. But I am sure it seems very much they are leaning towards the rematch with uh, Alex Pereira, which will be a, a pretty big rematch to, to do as a. Uh, you know, Adesanya, this is going to be the opponent I think most are going to link him with. It's like it become his big career rival now that he has three losses between his kickboxing and now MMA loss to him. This Saturday, post-wrestling turns five years old. Hey guys, Nav here. Big fan of post-wrestling. You guys are a big part of my life. I start my day with you guys. You guys keep me company while I do the dishes. And keep doing what you're doing. It's truly best in class when it comes to pro wrestling journalism. And it's an honor to be a part of your community. Hi, John. Hi, Way. It's Imran from Huddersfield. You usually hear me singing to you at Christmas time, but uh, you get my normal speaking voice today. Uh, wrestling is not my biggest passion in life. Uh, and yet your Patreon is the only Patreon I subscribe to in terms of podcasting. Um, it's well worth the money. And I do it just for you guys, for your banter, for your content. Uh, so I can hear you guys every week. It, Bring great joy. Thank you. Join us this Saturday at QXT's Nightclub, 248 Mulberry Street in Newark, New Jersey, starting at 1 p.m. The largest gathering in the history of post-wrestling, live music, and a VIP meet-and-greet and event t-shirt. Postwrestling.com slash live for tickets. All right, that is all of the news. You can find it all at postwrestling.com. And now we move on to Dynamite from... Bridgeport, Connecticut at the Total Mortgage Arena, the TMA. Okay. Tonight, um, as of Monday, WrestleTix had noted about 3,000 tickets out for the show. So this was almost half of what they drew at their last Dynamite here back in February. So this was a, you know, you're pretty much cutting it in half. They did about 6,000 the last time uh, they were here, and that's... You know, that is nine months apart in in between shows here in Bridgeport. Granted, there are, you know, surrounding areas, but um, attendance down here in Bridgeport for the go home show. And it's Excalibur, Taz and Shivani with Ian Riccoboni out for the first match, which is Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara against Brian Danielson and Claudio Castagnoli. It starts with a brawl on the floor and Guevara goes back to the eye of Danielson that they are playing up uh, very significantly from Brian Danielson's uh, previous torn retina years ago, and now the attack from their match last week. And they take over with Danielson. They do the Spanish God pose, and then Jericho grabs the bat, and uh, he goes to use it on Danielson as they go to picture-in-picture on Danielson. And then uh, we have Castagnoli in the ring, landing spinning uppercut onto Jericho kicks him off preventing the walls and then it's Guevara in with the super kick stopping the swing Danielson then posts Guevara and the missile drop kick breaks up the walls Danielson's chest is all red here and then Guevara ducks a head kick goes for Danielson's eye and then the GTH gets blocked he's put into the label lock gets to the rope and then from there we see a lion salt by Jericho Claudio's in and then a huge pop-up uppercut to Sammy Guevara Danielson with the suicide dive, and as Jericho is clutching onto the bat, Castagnoli gives him the big swing as Jericho is holding the bat for the entire duration of the swing, goes for the sharpshooter and takes the bat away from Jericho, applies the sharpshooter, and submits Chris Jericho in 17 minutes and 58 seconds, the second time now that Claudio has beat Chris Jericho on television. So going um, 
very hard here with with Castagnoli eventually building to this ROH title match with Jericho, which I have to imagine is your main event for final battle and probably not the person you were assuming would take the uh, take the loss in this match. Um, no, no, but I mean, certainly productive and, um, maybe, you know, the textbook thing that, um, uh, somebody would do, uh, you know, en route to try to build a, a rematch with, with the challenger. Um, I thought it was a very good opener, you know, very active paces as is usual with AEW and in particular, any pairing of the Blackpool combat club, that sort of relentless, like, you know, I'm going to like, I'm not going to take any sort of breaks and, and just kind of, you know, beat you up. Um, good interactions between Sammy and Brian as well here. So. Um, you know, I'm not that excited, I have to say, for, you know, this four-way happening. Um, but I do get the sense ultimately it's it's more of sort of like a bridge towards final battle than anything else. Yeah, I think it's gonna be a pretty great match on on the weekend. Um it's not one of the featured matches on the show, but I, I could see this delivering in a big way. I, I thought it was a really nice tag and a lot of focus on on Castagnoli. So I, I thought that this was I, I guess I'm I'm kind of tired of a lot of these match layouts where it's so much is about protecting the guy that's losing that here they had the conviction to just we're building up Claudio Jericho's going to lose. There's a purpose for it and there's not going to be any shenanigans to it. He's just going to get a solid win over an established, a very established guy in Chris Jericho. So I I thought this was very effective for building up uh, Castagnoli now with these wins over Jericho. We go to a, black and white homemade film by one Darby Allen, where there is a concert and someone in a body bag that is crowd surfing and it ends up in a car. It unzips and there is Darby and who's behind the wheel, but it's sting who says full gear. It's showtime. And that's our, that's our go home promo from sting four words. Just another weekend in Darby Allen's life. And um, chaperoned by Sting, you know, so that was kind of cool. There was also like a guitar that was broken. So um, a typical sort of like, I don't know, uh, art school <laughs> type of uh, feelings, you know, from Darby Allen here. It looked really cool. I, I think I think he's got some of the best videos. And then we heard from Lethal Dutt, Singh and Jeff Jarrett. Jarrett mentioning that they had their first meeting 24 years ago. I thought they would have met in like Memphis in like the mid 80s. But maybe they're, I don't Guess know. They never crossed first. paths. Um, yeah. When was 24 years ago? That was... Uh, 98? Yeah, 98. They were in different companies. Didn't Jared have his... When did Jared have his first stint in WCW? He, not till... It, he was there in 96, but he was gone by 97. And that was oh, the year Sting wasn't wrestling. Uh, could it have been 97 then? Is that what he means? Are we rounding here? Uh, could it have been 99? I know they met, they met in like Memphis in like the eighties. So, um, that would have been like their first meeting. Um, anyway, um, this was our promo. He just kind of yelled and then he went after a PA guy off camera. So there wasn't much to this. He says it won't be showtime. It'll be the last time was where he went. Yeah. Okay. The acclaimed came out. And uh, Max Caster rapped about um, they're going to get burned like Jay Leno, which I thought was like a kind of lame line to use, like immediately after this guy has like suffered like a, a, a horrific injury. I'm not even aware what ha- what happened. He was working under his car and it lit on. There was a gasoline fire and it burned his face. And he's got like he's hospitalized wow, really? with like third degree burns. This only happened oh. like two days ago. I just thought it was like a tasteless line to use, and I just thought it was like 
lame to you. Like, yet Shivani, like, interject during the match to actually wish Jay Leno well that he's doing okay and everything. And, mm-hmm. you know, he was a great guy when I worked with him in 98. I just thought it was, like, a really off-putting line when the guy is, like, literally in a hospital right now recovering from a, like, what could have been a fatal injury? I, I'm not going to, you know, argue against that. Um, at, it's Max Caster, though. You know, he's uh, sort of made a name for, like, really kind of towing, towing the line on on that sort of thing. And sometimes um, he goes too far. Then they introduced the music video, which was highlighted by Paul White returning as Captain Insano. And they recreated the scene from The Waterboy. Um, which was the prelude to the music video, a hand for a hand. What did you think of the music video? Um, I, I like the song. I liked so, some of the lines in the song. You know, um, he kind of went after um, Swerve. Um, you know, they did more than two in two years in your whole career. Uh, talked about how Swerve had family in the dirt sheets. I think it was meant to be a reference to Will Washington. Mm-hmm. Um. And yeah, I thought it was an entertaining little, you know, video segment from these two. What did you think? It, it was fine. Like they, it seemed like a lot of people were very like excited about the Captain Insano thing, which um, I, I would imagine this is probably a target audience that would, um, that that kind of uh, reference from now that was 24 years ago in 1998. So maybe, mm-hmm. uh, maybe Sting and Jarrett went to go slaughter. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I would say like it's it's a pretty um yeah, it's Captain Insano. I don't know. I, I I don't know what to say. It was like, okay, cool. Mm-hmm. It was fine. Swerve and our glory are out and Billy Gunn, he's out for blood with Swerve. He goes after him and this leads to him and Max Caster being ejected and that takes us to our match with Anthony Bowens and Swerve Strickland and Bowens sent over the guardrail. They go through the break. Bowens mouth is busted open and then Swerve at one point has an armbar is doing push-ups off of Bowen's body, delivers a brain buster, the swerve kick, and then snaps the arm with his foot, hits the swerve stomp, Bowen's kicks out, and then continues to attack the arm before finishing him with the JML driver in 935. So the idea here is that Bowen's will be going into this match injured with a bad right shoulder, which uh, the template for that first match was, you know, him overcoming a knee injury. So I think they're just going to change up the body part, and that formula worked wonders in that first match which obviously they are out to recreate on saturday mm-hmm. especially when you're talking about this version of swerve strickland you know in, in the time over the past um several you know uh, months that these two teams have been feuding i feel like swerve has just really really created that much more of, of this sort of devious you know uh methodical professional wrestling heel and i thought that was perfectly exemplified in this particular match where his offense is very technical focusing on a body part but he does it with this sort of like sadistic you know a kidnapper energy that he had you know in that backstage vignette just carried into the rings here so i he continues to be to be the mvp of this entire program and i'm quite excited to see what he has to offer tomorrow or i should say saturday if you go to my news update today i have the odds for saturday's pay-per-view do you know that the acclaimed are the biggest favorites on this entire show? They are something like a minus two thousand favorite to retain their titles on Saturday. Wow, really? Uh, yes. I'll take I'll take the I'll take those odds. Yeah, I don't think that's a sure thing at all. You know what? They're tied. Them and Jade Cargill are minus two thousand favorites, so they are the biggest favorites. Which um, explain that to me? Like, how how come they they believe that 
they're going to win the match. Yeah, I mean, I see just as much reason to give. You, you've got to bet two grand to win a hundred dollars. Like I see as much reason to give Swerve and Keith Lee that that um, uh, the win, you know, coming off of this. Um, I don't know. I, I, I just, it just it wouldn't be one that stood out to me that, that much. All right, uh, we can go over the odds later if you're if you so desire. Shivani brings out Samoa Joe. And Joe said he refuses to be a victim. And he took action when someone said that they were going to go after something of his in reference to Wardlow saying he was going to win all the titles in the company. Wardlow ran his mouth each week and Joe is the most dangerous man in the room. So Wardlow paid the price. I won't wait around to be a victim like most of these people in the building who it was like at that moment in the promo, like, oh, okay, we're supposed to boo you. And he's not going to wait for someone to save them. I saved myself. So Powerhouse Hobbs comes out, challenges Joe to a fight. Wardlow comes up next, and then the whole locker room empties to separate the three, and the big spot is Wardlow hitting a Topekon hero, and we're going to have a three-way at the pay-per-view with the TNT title being the title that is defended. Mm. Yeah, um, I think for something that was a, a breakup of a team, it, this feels kind of cold to me. You know, um, I don't know if they really spent that much effort in establishing the hatred between Joe and Wardlow beyond um Wardlow, you know, stepping into frame and that key line last week about wanting to win all the championships. Um I guess I just don't really buy the hate hatred between the two and and it just seem seems more like they rushed this turn just as a way to get Samoa Joe a singles match on, on this show. Um but you know, I'm sure the match will be interesting. Then we had this very interesting promo from Britt Baker. She is on camera by herself in the backstage area and says that Soraya stared in her eyes four times, telling her she wasn't a star and had only been on TV for three years. But Baker says in those years, I've gone from nervous to confident and a tenacious face of this division. I became a leader. And a leader is where you take all the blame when everyone else receives the credit. I wasn't handed anything that you weren't. I was given an opportunity. I ran with it and I became undeniable. No, I didn't wrestle at Madison Square Garden, but I did wrestle at Daly's Place in Jacksonville for over a year when the fans couldn't come to them. We kept the fire burning and that's an era that you'll never know. I respect you fighting addiction, Soraya, coming back from a neck injury and you paved the way, but this business owes you nothing. It's moved and and you will not belittle me or my accomplishments. All the blood, sweat, and tears because you're stuck in the past. I'm the heart, soul, and pulse of AEW. Soraya thinks she's above that. Well, she can get the hell out because this is my house. Now, on its own, I thought this was a phenomenal promo. What the desired reaction is on Saturday, I have no clue because... <laughs> All, all I could think of after this is like, Soraya better have the promo of her life later in this show. She did not. And I, like this to me just sets it up like here is like the entitled outsider. And Brit is like our home team representative on Saturday that they are like begging for like this reaction that like it's going to be Baker coming in as the sentimental favorite against Soraya. It's it's a really odd dynamic when this is Soraya's comeback match like this to me was like the easiest comeback story and this promo like it was great don't get me wrong but 
I just don't know what you're expecting on Saturday other than like pushing the audience against Soraya when this should be like her big return. I thought it was a great baby face promo, but an absolutely terrible heel promo. You know, unless they're going ahead with this and they're doing, you know, this sort of double turn heading into the the the, the match on Saturday, which would be a terrible idea for somebody coming this off is the of comeback. This a is neck like- injury. Be like turning yeah. Sean in the lead up to the Hunter return. Like you're not even there. She hasn't even come back yet. Right. Yeah. So I don't think that's the intended direction. And I think what's happening here is just, again, uh, a lot of talents getting a lot of free reign to uh, script their promos. And it feels like maybe it's just Britt Baker coming off of Soraya's promo from last week, finding the weak points and the fallacies in Soraya's lines and pinpointing them into what she felt to be a natural response. Unfortunately, it's completely counterproductive to the program that they're trying to build. You know, she, Soraya, I thought, you know, to a lot of people, I think had a very good promo last week. She certainly got into, you know, a lot mm-hmm. of uh, real, uh, um, real, real reasons why, you know, this was such a uh, important moment for her. But I think there were missteps in her promo where she, you know, the key lines with being, you've only been here for three years. You haven't done anything in this business. Well, that can very easily be misconstrued as somebody saying you've only been in AEW, not the WWE, and therefore you aren't a star. And Brit in this one just really kind of like honed in on that and, and just kind of, you know, blew that up. And it resulted in this great rallying cry for people that are fans of AEW cheering for the hometown player. In, in Britt Baker, the person who came up under their, their watch, uh, citing Daly's place, you know, which uh, has sort of become, you know, the, the, the mecca of, of AEW. Um, it seemed like a pretty easy counter response from Britt Baker in order to heat up the program. But unfortunately, the heat was directed in the wrong direction. And it was very detrimental, I felt, to the program overall. Yeah, I, I think that this match is going to be like one of the most focused upon on the entire card, because I don't think people know what to expect on in, in this match. And you've now just added the the crowd dynamic as one of the questions on top of it. Like it's not even a, a guarantee that you're going to have like a strict baby face heel dynamic here, because this to me really muddied things going into Saturday. Yeah. I get the sense that like the, the, the real life story of Soraya is going to be, you know, strong enough that despite what they saw on TV, they will still treat Soraya like this is her, you know, big triumphant comeback moment. And they should, you know, there, there are real life circumstances involved here that I don't think creative as maybe unsatisfying. And let's be honest for me, bad as it was leading up to this match um, will, you know, um, change. Um, but I, I will say this promo tonight certainly didn't help things whatsoever. This was a fantastic promo for a different phase of her career. Not yeah. tonight. Death Triangle against AR Fox and Top Flight for the Trios Championship. The return of Darius Martin after a really terrible car wreck back in uh, April, I believe it was. So, And that was after he had been out for 13 months with his uh, knee injury. So, I mean, he has had uh, nothing but bad luck these last two years. But here he is. Um, and look, look, looked fine in the match. Like this, this was a, a really enjoyable uh, Trios match. Uh, AR Fox got to shine quite a bit in this uh, in. Uh, we, we see him in with pack and kicks off the post from the apron into a moonsault on the floor, follows that with a senton atomico and then pack gets flung into the air out of the corner into a cutter by Fox. 
Uh, Darius then kicks off Phoenix for a tornado DDT onto Pack. There's the big springboard high cross by Dante to the floor. And then Fox delivers a, a springboard into an inverted splash to the floor and then bounces off the top into a one-man Spanish fly on Phoenix. From there, it's the fear factor on Fox. And Phoenix dives to the floor. Pack hits the black arrow on Fox and pins him in 11 minutes and 33 seconds. I, I thought this was a, a lot of fun. And I thought that AR Fox like really look look good in this match. He got a lot of focus as you typically see when somebody is out there as sort of the um the the non roster guy that they kind of let shine, and that seemed to be the case here with AR Fox. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I, I would love to see this trio continue. Um, I appreciate the fact that I think um they you know gave both AR Fox and Darius this sort of like you know pretty good spotlight on TV in a title. Is it was this a title match? Was it? Yeah, it was a title match. Oh, I guess I guess you don't necessarily have to have any wins um, prior to earn a title shot for a trios championship, but that's that's okay. That's that's not here or there. Uh, but you know, I I, I don't know. I, I kind of feel like there was missing um, story here to be told with Darius. You know, um, on on the comeback after you know two terrible injuries um, mm-hmm. that that really kind of you know derailed his career i thought there was a lot of um interesting story potential that might have they might have missed out on and and i hope they focus on it after the fact because um this was a good reintroduction to him a good reintroduction to top flight and i also like the fact that like you know i know the death triangle were are teasing a heel turn with that cheating gimmick but i'm glad they didn't feel the need to tease it again here because they were facing a lower level team you know, um, this all all this needed to be was just a good showcase match for them so that they could make the challenge to the elite later. Yeah, I, I think A.R. Fox, he's a great talent. I would love to see him get picked up by somewhere. Um, I, I don't know if like AEW would be that automatic fit just because like like would he like this? This is just a roster that's so, so deep that I mean, would, would this guy be someone that just would, would get lost? Yeah, I don't necessarily expect him to get a great role. I mean, did the Trustbusters need another body? Like, then maybe he'd be a great fit. But at this point, I, I even Bandito, dude, like what <laughs> they made a big deal out of his signing online. But on TV, he's just another guy. Do you realize it was four weeks ago that the Kingdom debuted? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I can I can understand that they might be saving them for Ring of Honor. Um yeah, I don't know, dude. There, there are a lot of people, yes. Pac gets onto the microphone and asks, do you think the Death Triangle are stupid? We know what's going on. We've seen the videos, so they can see them, but the commentators have not been able to see them at all. They've never referenced them on TV. They've never reacted to them, so Pac has uh, the special powers that all of us viewers possess. And he's heard the rumors. What rumors? And if there are certain individuals who think they can make their return this Saturday and best them, well, that's ridiculous. And the fans start chanting elite. And if you want some this Saturday, then please bring the heat because death triangle runs from nobody. And with that, another elite video starts to air and we get a full gear graphic with death triangle and then a blank side of the screen. And then the images of Kenny Omega and the young bucks appear and pack says, great, we've been waiting for them. And there they are. They are back. Never an explanation of where they've been all this time, why they were gone, but they are back. They are back way from mysterious circumstances. Um, they, they, 
disappeared into thin air and now they have been all their particles have been reattached and they are back in human form. Yeah. No, I I think I mean so much of what feels like our criticism about the company is that they're they're not making that much effort to cater to the fan that that isn't online that isn't following these stories. Um I think I I probably just have to get used to the fact that you know this continues to be a product that it is entirely for people that listen to this podcast, people that are on the internet, people that are on Twitter, people that are, you know, on message boards and follow every single story. Essentially, Tony Khan, you know, he's booking this type of product for himself. People who know who AR Fox is or have at least heard of him. People who know that Eddie Kingston has always wanted a dream match against Junakiyama. Um, I I feel like that is a bit more pronounced, you know, when when they're kind of unknowns. With the Elite and CM Punk story, I I get the sense that it's big enough that you could have done something like this without that much explanation. And people realize. I agree. I I think just about everyone knows the story. I, I would argue, though, that that makes it even more silly that you won't acknowledge it in any way. You won't state you won't say a thing about it. And it will be interesting because Tony Khan is doing a, a media call on Thursday, and I'm sure this will be brought up by, by many people and what his tact will be, because he has to know that this is going to be the major topic going into the weekend and out of the pay-per-view is the return of these three. And it's like. I'm not saying that you have to give every last detail and your findings of the investigation, but what investigation you have not even, even so much as stated there was one, like it's nothing. And I think for him to go into this weekend with the no comment philosophy, and I I just think it's just like, what do you think of your fan base that like, they all know the story, but you can't even state the most non-threatening basic statement that to, would, to just have would be something. satisfying for him to say that would would make a difference though there was a backstage incident of which we put together an investigation that was run by x and this was our finding and this is they are back on on television like something anything and you're saying this just for the benefit of the of the fan that isn't aware of, of this stuff I'm saying it just from the standpoint of the company that I think you have projected this beyond paranoia of showing the least amount of transparency in in, in what has been a major story in the company's history. And you won't even address it or even give credence that it happened. Right. Yeah, I mean (laughs) – Him saying it to me, like him saying something like like what you suggested or not. I feel there's accountability on the part of Tony Khan and the company. And I feel that by just not answering anything, I just think it's like at at some point, like there is some responsibility, I feel, on the company's part to at least give. What's the the, accountability? Just like but but would mentioning it be be accountability or or saying that you did an investigation is. is, I think answering questions. I I think that that's part of it. I think you are inviting media and i feel that that is going to be a major topic and i think there's there are answers that that you can give that mm-hmm. are at least acknowledging the elephant in the room rather than like it listen it, there's no law that says they have to comment they don't have to um but i i just think it's like it's it's bizarre to me that it they will not even acknowledge like just the basics of this like this would mm-hmm. just not fly if there was like some incident um Imagine this happened uh, with an NHL team that they would not acknowledge anything. 
I don't know. I, I, I don't really, you know, follow hockey too much to, to be able to say. Um, I suppose to, for me, like the fact that he chooses not to comment is enough of a statement on its own. You know, like it tells me how, how sensitive he considers this and how, um, I don't know, how, um, perhaps, um, scared he might be of repercussions of simply saying one thing or the other that somebody might misconstrue that headlines and, and people reading the headlines might, 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 might misconstrue. Um, I, I, I feel like I already know enough about the situation, whether or not he officially comments on it. So the match is set. I thought this was set up really well, though. I thought like mm-hmm. make it clear that the match is happening. And, and I think it is going to be, I, I feel by Saturday, this is going to feel like the main event to people, even above the title match. Like I think that is going to be the big focus of the pay per view is their appearance. And where, and where, yeah. where, where do you put this on the card? Do you put this second, second last? Um, yeah, sure. I mean, I, I, I forget if they like do buffer matches too often, but yeah, you can, you can say this for second last and I think still retain enough interest in the main event itself. Sure. Yeah. It can honestly go anywhere probably towards the latter half of the show. Ricky Starks responds to the attack by Lance Archer and this week on Rampage, he'll be facing Lance Archer and he wants the match to start backstage. So they're going to be doing the quarterfinal match on, on Friday. And I don't know what the plan is. I would guess that the semifinal match would happen maybe on the pre-show on Saturday. And then the winner has to wrestle twice on Saturday because you got to do the final on the pay-per-view. They were pretty ambiguous about it all. Um, I And I think a lot of people were questioning whether or not the finals will actually take place at the pay-per-view because I don't think Excalibur mentioned it in his rundown. But they, that's where they've been, they've been advertising it this entire time. So, um, yeah, maybe we need a bit more clarity on that. Ethan Page against Bandito in the semifinal. Page cuts a promo and then gets booed and calls the people in Bridgeport simple, basic-ass civilians. And he's walking through Bandito to become the number one contender this Saturday and will be the next champion. So, I mean, his promo, he said it's Saturday. Okay, you're right. Yeah. Um. So you're right. Then they have to fit that in somewhere. I mean, you could also do like where Archer and um, Ricky Starks have some brawl and there's no finish and cage gets a buy you could do that you or you just have could, the guy re- or you have but, the guy wrestle twice on sa- on saturday i mean you could but logically like you know what what is tony Khan thinking in kayfabe at this point in time you know he doesn't know that they're they're going to be dq'd or or get a buy or something i think you do the story of starks like escaping the match with archer he's beaten down but he prevails and then he's got to win two matches as the underdog on saturday and he gets mm-hmm. through cage and then has to go against brian uh ethan page later so he's got to go through cage and page cage and page yeah cool so uh their match here um big vertical suplex by bandito i thought bandito looked great here he did the uh the moonsault off the ring post to the floor hits a Tornillo in the ring, and then goes to the 21-plex, but Page holds the rope, comes back with a cutter, and then tries the avalanche Ego's Edge, but it's countered with a Super Rana that looked phenomenal. One-arm military press and frog splash by Bandito, and then he gets knocked off balance off the top, flying shoulder block by Page, and he hits a regular Ego's Edge for the win in 9 minutes, 8 seconds, so Ethan Page goes to the final. And... um yeah, I think this whole tournament has been built around Ethan Page, but I watched this and it was like, man, Bandito, I, w- I would love to see a Bandito singles match on, on Saturday's pay-per-view, but not the case. I, I'm okay without. I'm okay waiting until, you know, Wednesday because there are enough matches on this show. And, and it, it, 
he's a spectacular performer, but beyond, I think, great wrestling for Bandito, I want to see a proper introduction. I want to know who this guy is. I want to know why he's called Bandito or like, you know, just something about, about the man's history. I, I, again, I know this is a promotion that like is catering to people who already know who Bandito is. It's catering to people who uh, really just maybe care more about the in-ring than the actual personality stuff. I contend that I think you benefit by, you benefit everybody by at least giving us some sort of personality piece. And beyond that, I think this guy is in need of, strong wins at this point you know he's had three matches thus far in AEW he has lost two of them and one of them the one he won last time he needed interference to defeat Roosh so on paper the booking has been pretty awful but nonetheless he is the type of performer that you just give him airtime you just you just give him ring time and the man will get over I just feel like they could do even more you know when you have a guy with those gifts you can turn him into a superstar if you give him the video packages, if you let him or teach him or get him to cut promos, if you give him a proper storyline and if you give him prominent wins. So I hope they, t- they take advantage and he doesn't just get lost. I know you need star power in this tournament, but there were certainly people I think you could have put into this tournament and held off on Bandito till after full gear for for that proper introduction. Like that's how high I think of this guy that I mm-hmm. don't think he should have just been an also ran in the tournament. Agreed. Renee is with Soraya, and Soraya says she feels fantastic. Never thought that this would happen, but she's sick of this back and forth with Britt. She chose to be here and beat the best, and the best is Britt Baker. And doesn't want to talk about it anymore. She's going to see her at full gear. And that was it. Yeah, you you really said it earlier, John. You know, she really needed something strong here to counter the death blow that Britt Baker gave her. This was um, a 10-8. Yeah. Oh, man. And, and unfortunately, you know, whether it be due to lack of time or, or what, like she really only had like 15 seconds here. So I don't really blame her too much. But she did. She said nothing of substance to, you know, change my mind about if I was, you know, an AEW fan who I should be cheering for. But it's, again, too bad because she's got such an easy story to tell. It's like, you know, I've, I've been away. I've clawed my way back and you're not going to, you know, ruin that for me. But again, I, 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 by the time the, the bell rings, I think reality will set in and, and I think the audience will realize, okay, this is a really magical moment for this person who's really fought through so much to get back here. Yeah, the, the, the way this should have been structured is that Baker got the big promo last week and could almost characterize Soraya as this big shot who thinks she's all this because she's been to all these arenas, like paint her as like this. And then this week we get the promo from Soraya that we heard last week where he's like, yeah, I've gone to Madison Square Garden and all these big buildings, but I started off in Norwich, England, where I was hit by a car and that's and cut that promo this week to counteract all of those accusations from last week. I think that would have been a much stronger way to build this up and both get their big promos. But one is a heel promo and one is that, that great baby face underdog um, story of Soraya that sends her into the comeback match. Or even Soraya saying, I've been into to, to all, those, all those places. I've wrestled in the Tokyo Dome. Uh, but the only place that matters is the Prudential Center because this match means more to me than any of those. You know, like th- th- they could have gone to a lot of, I think, you know, better directions for um, for this program. And, and a lot of it by the end tells me that I don't know if they have much planning um foresight like you know for an overall story 
it really feels to me like it, they've just kind of been kind of been going week by week, you know, trying to figure out something rather than having like one strong narrative to guide them through it all. So, yeah, I've been, I've been quite disappointed in this reintroduction to Soraya. Then we had 30 seconds of Eddie Kingston and Ortiz to preview Friday's tag match with Jun Akiyama and Kanosuke Takeshita. Ortiz states, I actually feel nervous because of I'm getting in the ring with this legend, Akiyama, and this dynamic up-and-comer in Takeshita. Eddie Kingston rattles off May 1st, 1998, Hiroshi Hase versus Jun Akiyama at the Tokyo Dome, the actual Tokyo Dome, as the match that he chose I have to fight Junakiyama one day, and now he gets his match on Friday. This was like the best 30 seconds you could possibly ask for to set up this match on, on Friday. It was awesome, and I think we have our pick for the next for the return of Eddie Kingston on the long and winding Royal Road. Sure, yeah, absolutely. I think we should have a category for the end-of-year awards for best 10-second promo here. You know, this was a promo for the TikTok generation here, and you kind of have to be good at that if you're on AEW, because in most cases, especially if you're a Rampage wrestler, you're only going to get 10 seconds to, t- to tell your story, and he took advantage of these 10 seconds to tell the, this man's story. Um, it, it's going to mean a whole lot more, I think, if you you know know how, how much Eddie Kingston respects the, the uh, All Japan Pro Wrestling from, from the 90s, of course um but if you didn't i i was at least satisfied that number one they had made mention of, of it number two they actually had akiyama on camera here you know at least showing you uh, yeah they they had a quick uh tape interview segment with the with him and Takeshita on that they actually did cut yeah yeah so it was a very good 10 seconds from eddie a very good 30 seconds overall <laughs> Yes, it was an awesome 30 seconds. I'm, we've got plans on Friday, but man, if we didn't, I would have been going to Rampage for this. Uh, th- this is certainly, this is a hell of a way to book a Rampage for the night before a pay-per-view to reel people in. Tony Storm and Anna Jay, title eliminator. So Anna Jay was replacing the bunny who was, uh, sick and, uh, could not be, uh, on the show. Uh, Anna Jay's playing with her at the start, and then there's a headlock takeover by Tony Storm, Fisherman suplex, and then the hip attack sends Jay off the apron. Jay sends her into the steps and hits a gory bomb to Storm, and then goes for the Queen Slayer. It's blocked, shotgun dropkick, running hip attack, and uses a Texas cloverleaf to submit her in seven minutes and eight seconds. So Tony Storm gets the submission win, and then Jamie Hayter came out, goes face-to-face with her former roommate, yells about who was late on the rent, who did the dishes, and then there's a shove by hater and she leaves with baker and rebel no real physicality here but this was our our final uh face off before the match yeah and i don't think they needed much more by this point you know they've told the story um i'm looking forward to the match and, and i think you know the the re- reminder that these two are going to have a match is really all you needed it's too bad the bunny couldn't make it i i know she was you know really looking forward to having this particular showcase so i hope she gets it uh whenever she's healthy again but I thought Anna Jay stepping in here kind of late notice was another look at, you know, how she's been pr- progressing. She, to me, is, is somebody who's still at the level where I would say she's far from being ready for like, you know, like a prominent singles title challenger role. But I think she's showing constant improvement. And I thought she did decent here. We got the announcement of their first UK show. They just said London in 2023. Okay. That's a big range. So just hold off everything on your calendar for the next year. 
one of those days were coming. Um, also on the show, they announced uh, some new markets as well. February 22nd, they're going to Phoenix. And then March 1st and March 3rd, they'll be doing a live Dynamite and then two days later, a live Rampage at the Cow Palace in San Francisco. So a, a historic building in the Cow Palace. So, um, And that's probably going to be the next pay-per-view weekend, which has been rumored to be taking place in the Bay Area. So that's probably, um, I would guess, Revolution Weekend, which... You would think they announce on the pay-per-view this weekend. Final, uh, well, first we ha- had the Rampage lineup. So Friday's got Kingston and Ortiz against Akiyama and Takeshita, Lance Archer and Ricky Starks in the tournament match, Hook versus Lee Moriarty for the FTW title, and Athena against the most consistently booked talent on the roster, Madison Rain. As opposed to... I feel mad on a, on a roster where we talk about like, where's this person and where does this person disappear? I feel Madison rain is on television every single week with a match. Hmm. Well, I mean, we're, we assume that she's always there because she's got some other role and maybe they sometimes just need a body. I, I, I don't have much. They do. They are not in need of bodies in this company. They have plenty of them. Hmm. Um, but anyway, that is Friday's show. And then, uh, John Moxley came out for the final segment with Regal and, stated that he is the best pro wrestler on the planet. And he was definitely getting a mixed reaction here from from the crowd. He said he talks shit and he backs it up. I've traveled the world to find the toughest challenges. I have defined the AEW World Championship, and I'm sick in the head with my love of fighting. You can't hurt me because I don't care. That's how you summarize John Moxley. And he did some research on MJF, and he learned that he's a good singer, He has one win in this ring in the last six months, took a summer vacation after doing some Brian Pillman stuff, and then returned with a Halloween mask, and someone handed him a poker chip in the worst ending to a ladder match I've ever seen, and now he has a title match. So sorry if I'm not shaking in my boots. (laughs) He got a little tongue-tied here, but I thought this was a pretty amusing uh, summary of MJF's year. People see the perfectly curated MJF with his rehearsed speeches. I see a man that's insecure and full of fear that he is worried he won't live up to the hype. MJF isn't challenging me. I'm challenging MJF to prove he has the guts and the balls and why people think he will be the future. That's what he has to prove. So out comes Stokely Hathaway, and then Lee Moriarty rushes the ring, followed by the firm, and they beat down Moxley. They're holding Regal in the corner when MJF's music plays, and he comes down, he dispatches the firm, and then MJF uh, drops Ethan Page at the end, and MJF says that he didn't save Moxley because he likes him. He doesn't want to hear any excuses from Moxley's Mark fan club after he beats him on Saturday. He doesn't need a dynamite ring to win. His goal was to become the best in the world, and he knows that he's in the fight of his life on Saturday, but he's not the same kid who fought Moxley two years ago for that that belt. You can dump me on my head. I will bleed buckets. You can snap my ligaments and my joints, but I won't stop because I need that title more than I need food, water, and oxygen, which is absolutely false. You you need those three things more than a championship belt. That's just a fact. But all the fans cheered like, yeah, oxygen deprivation. Um, You'd lose the title if you gave up any of these things. You would not be able to defend this title in a, in a healthy manner. He heard Moxley say that he isn't the devil. 
And he says that the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing you he didn't exist. And the devil will be there on Saturday, which maybe will be a line we come back to. And Moxley cuts him off as he's doing his catchphrase and tells him, I never saw the big deal about you. And we'll find out this weekend if you can reach down, because if you can't, I'll rip it out of you. And then he forgets what night the pay-per-view's on. Is it Sunday? Is it Saturday? What the hell's going on? Well, this Saturday, the training wheels are coming off, and then he bumps into his shoulder as he leaves the ring, and that is how the show concluded going into, well, we got Rampage Friday, and then the pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. A really strong closing segment. Um, I I like it whenever they have just two guys speaking, you know, heading into a pay-per-view. They could have had these two wrestle, but I feel like the grandeur of the of the match itself um, it feels more significant. Just hearing these two great promos get into the ring to cut some very good promos. Most interesting, of course, is MJF and sort of his status as pseudo babyface right now. I feel like the act is still incredibly thick of him coming out there doing a very babyface sort of comeback against the firm including like, you know, it's amusing to me to watch MJF do all of this because I think you see in his mind um, what are the cliche babyface things that a babyface would do in this sort of scenario. And, and there are things like, you know, uh, it, here's the giant that's opposing him. I'm going to kick him in the nuts and I'm going to poke him in the eye, you know, like, and, and it's like, you know, uh, ending ending your, your promos, you know, in a chant, a long phrase, Um and I thought he did it really well. The key moment for me in this entire segment was when he turned to William Regal and he said, no diamond ring necessary. Ain't that right, Will? So I feel they are. I mean, I, I mean, it's obvious they are heavily teasing some sort of William Regal involvement uh, as William Regal, of course, is holding the brass knuckles. No diamond ring, but will there be a set of brass knucks to help MJF? We we shall wait to see. It's almost like, you know, what, what if what if he gives a gift to MJF before he boards the flight to uh, New Jersey? I mean that that would do it as well, wouldn't it? But yeah, um, yeah, it's interesting. It's funny because MJF did he's doing media for the show on Saturday, and he, I think it was the interview with the New York Post, and he actually brought up the what he thinks is like the biggest mistake a character can make is. When you make that turn from like a heel to a baby face, changing all of your presentation that all of a sudden you're this this good guy and you change everything about the presentation. It's like that is the biggest mistake you can make. And and you certainly saw it in this segment like it, it did feel like he, he's laying it on a lot. And it's and it's awkward to see him in this this role kind of it's it does feel like they are very much telegraphing this, but you're still unsure going into Saturday, which is a fine dynamic to have, but it's kind of interesting that this match, and I would say Soraya and Baker, you have two matches that it's like the audience, like you've really kind of just throwing these characters out and it's like, you figure it out. Yeah. Big difference in my opinion though, between I'm not saying they're the same in terms of effectiveness, but I do think like the crowd, like they're going into this and it's like, I don't know how the crowd will necessarily react. Well, sure. There's an X factor to both of them about whether or not, you know, um, which, how the crowd will react. But I feel like in the case of Mox versus MJF, it's been very deliberate and very controlled, you know, whatever reaction that I think they're trying to get, I feel like they're doing a very effective job of it. And it's going to be a monster pop for him winning like winning well, the title and i think that's going to sway like the audience i feel they've swayed it like you want to see history 
go down on Saturday the way they've set this up. Like this is this historical match that will mean a lot in the years to come. And I think this audience is going to want to see like what's what's the more significant outcome, Moxley retaining in his latest defense or MJF's first championship win. And I think they've guided this audience that it's going to be a very pro MJF crowd, which you certainly run the risk of if it's this incredible reaction especially for the title win and then you do a turn at the end which um could sour people at the end as well i i i'm giving them a bit more credit you know to to perhaps like you know even outsmart um certainly us and maybe other people that that probably assume that they know how how it's all going to end um it you know it could end up in a straight up like baby face win it could he could turn you know earlier in the match we we don't really know and he could not win. You know, he could leave the 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 the, the event without winning the championships. That, that, that's always possible as well. But I'm I'm on for the ride, and I have full confidence in these two to to be able to tell a, a story that I think will surprise and and will be very satisfying by the end. I think it's going to be a great match, and I think mm-hmm. more importantly, I think like you're right. Like the difference of this and. Like the environment's going to be awesome. Like I feel like the atmosphere is going to be like one of those big Cena matches where it was a really compelling story and it's the crowd is just lit for the whole match. Like I think it's going to be a really hot match. And I don't I don't think you're guaranteed an anti-Mox crowd at all. Like you know, I I think Mox is so beloved, you know, no, anywhere. No, you're right. You're right. Yeah. That that it could be a lot more 50-50. It could it could even be anti-MJF. Um, you know, but but that might be even a bit tougher. I think they go with MJF in the in this match. I think you put the title on him. That's my prediction as well. Yeah. Uh let's let's look at some of the other matches. Uh the acclaimed and swerve in our glory. So they had the the phenomenal match at All Out, uh so so match at Grand Slam. So this is their their third stab at it. And um I, I think this should be pretty pretty strong, to be quite honest. I, I've really enjoyed Swerve um in more of this defined heel role at this point, and I think that um I'm kind of interested how late they put this on in the show or early for that matter. But um, I I see the acclaimed retaining. Yeah, I'm not so certain. You know, like I I know a lot of people are expecting Swerve and and Keith Lee to break up soon after this. I I contend that there's a lot more life in sort of that team before you go on to do the breakup. Um, And I also feel like as champions, they're a lot more capable of having really, you know, like hot matches than as great as I love the acclaimed. I, I, I don't really trust the division with them as much. Plus you're talking about FTR who are waiting um, obviously you could do a baby, double baby face FTR versus a clay match. They have, they've kind of teased FTR against uh, both of the teams, but I personally feel like, you know, mm, another, they've already done that match. Haven't they Swerve and Lee versus, um, FTR. Yes. Right. I mean, I could see a rematch, but yeah, sure. That was the number one contenders match to set this up. Yeah. I, I agree on, on that side of things. Like really the acclaimed, like, it was the chase that was the enjoyable part. Like once they got the belts, like you're right. It's like they really don't need them long term. Like they are an act that I think is so ingrained in the show that with or without the belts, they're they're not going to suffer any any kind of loss in popularity. So yeah. cer- certainly if, if you're looking at FTR, the more attractive match is Lee and Swerve. Mm-hmm. So what's your pick? I'm still. I'll stay. I'll stay with the acclaimed. That was my pick. I think ultimately I'm going to stay with the acclaimed as well. But I certainly don't think it's a you know minus two thousand favorite type. Put of some money down thing. then, way. Well, that would that would go against my my integrity as a you know professional here. Okay. Well, uh, this line's a lot closer. Tony Storm minus one forty against Jamie Hader plus one hundred. 
I think this match is going to be very good. That's interesting too. Yeah. Um, who do you go with? I think they, I think they leave it with Tony storm and I feel that there's, I'll, I'll say storm. I think they have more to do with her at, at this point. Although, yeah, I, I, I don't think you put it on hater at, at this juncture. I think Tony storm as well. Um, you know, for one, I feel like she's a much stronger promo than uh, what we've got got to hear out of Jamie Hader thus far. I think Hader's story with Britt Baker doesn't need a championship to be told. Um, I also think Tony Khan really likes having Tony Storm, you know, be a weekly sort of a showcase um, um, wrestler on Dynamite. You know, she he, she's been very consistently featured on on the show, and I think he he's probably go, going to want to keep that up. You you of course have Thunder Rosa waiting for that match as well to to reclaim to do the champion versus champion type of thing. Um, so I think Storm keeps it. But yeah, do we get the the Britt Baker hater breakup definitively at the end of this? That would seem like a lot to have Baker involved in this show doing like some kind of angle and the match. I'll, I'll she's say got no. Yeah, you're right because she's got the Soraya thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They could, they could probably draw that out. Maybe not tonight. Jericho, Danielson, Claudio, and Sammy Guevara for the ROH title. Jericho is a minus 240 favorite. Sammy Guevara is the biggest underdog, plus 1,000. So. Okay. The, uh, maybe he's going to come out with boxing gloves on. Maybe he's going to wrestle in boxing gloves. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Maybe he'll. Um... Yeah, no, nothing, nothing to follow ba- up there. Based on the setup of Guevara doing the right thing, I see Jericho somehow pinning Guevara without Guevara and kind of teasing some issue with, with those two coming coming out of this. And it's Guevara like, did he do that on purpose or did Jericho take advantage of Guevara while he was injured or something like that to save the title? I, I, I think that would be – I think Jericho 100% has to retain here. You're, you're picking Sammy pinning? or so No, Sammy no J- Jericho pinning Sammy. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I like that a lot, actually. Yeah. I'm going to agree with you. Jade Cargill and Nyla Rose. Uh, this is an, the other. Minus 2,000 favorite in Jade Cargill. Um, I, I have not hated this this buildup. I, I think it's been, been fine, to be quite honest. Um, I'm interested to see the kind of match they have because, um, you know, it's it's an impressive spot at the end to do Jaded on, on Nyla Rose. And the way they've set this up is like Jade regaining the title she has. So, um, yeah, I do long term. If like if people are kind of tiring on the Jade formula, I don't think they're necessarily there yet. But part of that is also I don't feel they've really built up that person in waiting. That is the big showdown at, at the end. Like they have not hinted at, at that. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Um, I, I, how much time do you think these two will get? Because that'll that'll kind of be a a lot of um how I feel like I might enjoy it. Like if it's just another kind of Jade showcase match, I it'll be. I, I feel this is going to go. I I think just under ten. I think it's going to yeah. go a little longer. Yeah. Jade always has, you know, a real challenge trying to, you know, um, have a memorable performance in these sort of loaded pay-per-views that uh, have so many veterans on them, right? Um, Nyla Rose, of course, is a veteran herself, so I feel like, you know, she stands a good chance here. But I, to me, the challenge is, will I remember this match by the end of the night? Of the 11 matches, we'll quiz you on the, on, on the post show afterwards. You, there's probably going to be more. Y- you're right. We haven't talked about the buy-in. Yeah, they haven't announced officially any matches yet for the buy-in. So, I mean, Friday, the 
they'll probably like there very well could be more matches to come on this. Like if they end up doing that semifinal match on, on the buy-in, that's, that's minimum one. Um, Jeff Jarrett, Jay Lethal against Sting and Darby Allen. I don't think you tinker with this formula. I think Sting and Darby win. And I don't know if that signals the end of Jeff Jarrett for now, but um, I, I think this, I, I do feel like this will continue the, the Sting run of a, uh, quality pay-per-view matches um, that you can put this anywhere on the pay-per-view and it's its own unique thing that this crowd will be into. And it's, and it feels like it's been a while since we've got one of these sting matches. Like, I guess they haven't won. They haven't done it since the house of black match at grand slam. So you've been, it's been two months since you've done a, a sting match. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it'll be fine. I mean, I tend to think they're, they might actually be good buffer matches, you know, between, you know, a a great semi main and the main event, um, just kind of Darby jumping all over the place, sting flying off the balcony somewhere. Uh, maybe a big spot from Jeff Jarrett. Maybe, maybe he'll do a big dive. That'll silence the doubters. I'm sure him and Darby will do something crazy together. Okay. Maybe, well, maybe that'll, that'll justify this entire thing. Luchasaurus and Jack Perry in the steel cage match. Is someone coming off of the cage? Someone coming off the cage. Okay. Um, uh, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. I'm not that excited for this. You know, like I feel like we've we've um, just kind of dealt with this story for so long that by the time they've got to this match, it, it really doesn't feel like the program is, is I don't know, that that fresh nor that hot anymore. So I hope these two have a really great match, you know, and, and, and this really does, I think, have a chance of stealing the show. Um, and hopefully they could end the program on a strong note. And then rounding things out. Oh, well, we got two more here. So Wardlow, Samoa Joe, Powerhouse Hobbs for the TNT title. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a big man uh, slapping meat type, type of match. Um, who needs it? I mean, Wardlow's probably going to keep the championship. Right. You would think, although you do have a situation here where you could lose the title without being beat, which I don't think would be met with. Uh, I, I don't think that would be met positively. And who gets it, though? I don't think Joe's going to take it. He's got the TV title. Hobbs. I don't necessarily know if like Hobbs is hot enough right now to, to get that championship. Not that you have to be. This could be the way there. Well, the, the question is, are, are they done with with? Wardlow as TNT champion and and where do you move him on to if not a TNT level well I think you have to do something with Joe coming out of this this feels like the to do that whole breakup and this is the payoff I, I feel you have to extend this uh, beyond this pay-per-view so right um I, like a title change would not shock me um Wardlow does need some something to like shake things up with him but it it is also well it's a match that I, I feel as much it's as much about Hobbs in this match really kind of because ha- the issue is Wardlow and Joe and, and having Hobbs uh, have something as well coming out of this. Yeah, I mean, the the issue really is Wardlow and Hobbs and, and Joe recently. Um, well, not anymore. Joe just totally stole that thunder. Yeah, kind of because he's yeah. not a victim. No, there's very much a feeling of just like kind of cramming, you know, people on the show and, and maybe more so just with Samoa Joe, because I think Warlow and Hobbs, you know, is something that they have spent a lot of time building up. Joe certainly adds a lot more star power in it, though. So maybe that's the reason why he's there. And then Death Triangle against the Elite for the trios titles. Is there any conceivable argument about the Elite losing? Yeah, I think so. Um, again, I don't necessarily think the Elite need to win um, in order to... <laughs> 
be stars. You know, they're already stars, arguably the biggest stars, you know, in the, in, 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 on this card. So, um, you know, would it be more beneficial to have death triangles squeak out a victory, maybe via bell hammer, you know, to solidify a heel turn for those three and also maintain their status in the division to build up to a rematch. I would say the only way you could get away with the elite losing is you pretty much have a match of the year contender and it just gets to mm-hmm. such a level that the outcome is almost immaterial because they watch something phenomenal. And I mean, th- this could very well be um, one of the better matches of the year. It certainly has that potential. Um, yeah, I, 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 I would not be beating these guys coming back. I, I think that this is going to be the most anticipated match of the night for many people. And um, yeah, I, I, I guess I, I only suggest like no for the reasons I stated, but also you have to very be careful to make the death triangle not look like placeholders while the elite were away. You know, people that were keeping the belt warm while the elite were away. And what by the time they're here, you just give the belts back to them because um, they've been doing great. And, and I think they probably want to maintain that level of importance in the audience's eyes. Or is this the breakup? You know, packing, getting the Lucha Brothers to cheat and uh, whether or not they maybe they won't go with it. Could that be it? There's a few different ways that, that you can go. There, there's also probably the, the idea of maybe the elite wanting to come back and and lose coming back, like not not wanting, uh, you know, the big victory uh, coming back almost as like a, a sign to everybody. But um, I think just for. For what I think this company needs right now, I think like this was the initial direction of the trios division, and I think this gets it back on track. And I've got to say, like on, on a show like this, I I could very well see this being the uh, the clear cut match of the night. See, that is what the company needed at a time when CM Punk was around. Without CM Punk around, is Kenny Omega that much more needed in the singles division, especially if you, if you have a heel champion in MJF? I, I I don't see an argument why he can't be involved in in, in both um, at the, at the same time. I think it depends where you're going after this um, after this pay per view. Um, if if you want to like what what's the best role for these guys coming back? Is it the, the trios division? Is it going elsewhere? Like I think you can get a lot of mileage out of them just really establishing these trios belts and and like like these are titles that you you can headline shows when they're on these guys um, as well. And really get the division going, which um, yeah, I, th- I think it got off to a fine start. But I think that like this whole mess kind of just kind of stopped the the momentum of the division, which had that incredible tournament, and then you had to strip the champions immediately. We also have to talk about um, the House of Black. You know, they've been teasing their return. Do we do we get that at, at full gear? Yeah, I guess that's possible. Um, maybe. Um, Maybe they come back for revenge on Sting and Darby and, and Jeff Jarrett's part of the House of Black. His Why newest, not? His newest group. Yeah, yeah, if you're Bullet Club for life, you're, you, you could probably be House of Black for life, too. Yeah. All right. Well, that's the card, which as I go through it now, um, the pay-per-view starts at 8. What time is this pay-per-view going to end that way? Midnight or uh, later? They do have a cutoff, don't they? Like, don't, like there's a pay-per-view window. Is, is there not? 12? There is. I feel this one's going to go till about 12. I'm thinking we get yeah. a four, four hour show plus a buy in. So like, we're probably looking at five hours. Hmm. I'm going to say about 1145, you know, wh- when does the press conference end? Uh, that's the better question. I, I don't, when, do, when does our post show end? That's what, that's what I want to know. Why. Uh, probably 7am in the morning. We did Sunday. not think about this too, uh, too intently. I am, 
I'm going to die on Sunday. That's that's what's going to happen. Uh, but there you have it. Uh, that's going to wrap things up. Thanks to everybody for joining us tonight. Again, we hope to see many of you uh, this Saturday at QXT's Nightclub, 248 Mulberry Street in Newark, New Jersey. Tickets, once again, they can be p- purchased last minute, postwrestling.com slash live or at the door on Saturday. Are you ready to go to some feedback, John? Oh, yeah, we've got that as well. (laughs) We have quite a bit of it here. And we want to thank, of course, all of you guys joining us live, including somebody who's claiming to be the guy who played Keith Lee in the Acclaim video. Okay, let's hear from Um, him. Let's hear his argument, first of all. Okay, Malcolm here says, hey, everyone, I was the guy who impersonated Keith Lee in the Acclaim music video. Um, Hansi is saying, really, Malcolm, or are you sports entertaining right now? (laughs) Malcolm says, Nope, I'm 100% serious. I'm a professional wrestler from New Jersey who trained with the acclaimed, and they asked me to be part of the music video. Okay, well. um, I I take his word for it. You know, John Cena, the ultimate fact checker here, uh, most times he says, oh, uh, oh, it's him. He's part of the Up Next Facebook group as well. Okay, so you know what? I I trust Cena. So, uh, hey, we are joined by the fake Keith Lee. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome, fake Keith Lee. Very cool. Awesome. Uh, speaking of John Cena, he sends a $5 super chat to, to ask, is the post five year anniversary on Saturday or is it Sunday? Well, uh, it's Saturday, which means John Moxley, if he was invited, would probably show up the next day. <laughs> Thank you so much, Cena. Dickie Bird sends $5 Australian to say, are the tournament semifinals being held at QXC's nightclub before full gear? Uh, t- show up and, and find out. We'll see. We'll see. Maybe, maybe they'll have yeah. to find a slot and maybe fire uh, Frank will be a replacement for somebody. Could be. Uh, thank you so much, Dicky. Uh, he Dicky will also be running predictions in the Discord during full gear as well. Okay. So those of you guys uh, who aren't choosing to show up in QXT's nightclub, uh, you can enjoy the festivities through postwrestling.com slash Discord on Saturday. Hanzi sends a super chat to say MJF took a minor dig at Punk in the post Dynamite promo. Did he? Okay. Well, what did he say? Let us know, Hanzi. Very curious. Um, EVP of Talent Relations sends two dollars to because he wants our takes on Max and Checo. You went over this, but we, we talked about it on Monday. We did talk about it on Monday, so I would encourage you to go go back to to kind of listen to that. Um, I didn't see the race, so I didn't have much of a reaction to it, but we we did discuss it. Yeah, still seems like very much a, a war of words. A lot of he speculation. A lot of he said, she said. I, I don't know if we exactly know what Max Verstappen's sort of a issue with with uh, Checo is. I think it'll. It honestly all comes down to to the race on Sunday, you know. Um, they're billing this, John. Should because, we just stay up straight and watch Abu Dhabi at eight a.m.? Well, we we have to fly back at some point, so we don't know. we don't we don't fly back till noon, dude. The the race is in the afternoon. Wait, when is no, the race? No, it's I don't. Eight the, it's eight in the morning. Oh, it is. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, we have to get to the airport, I suppose. But yeah, let's just stay up. Yeah, let's just watch watch the race on Sunday. That's perfect. Yes, but but you know they're billing this, John, as the battle for second, because of course, both the constructors and the drivers championships have already been won. So it's like, that's fine. That's compelling. It, it's, it's as the best that they can do because, uh, Leclerc and, and, and uh, Checo are tied for second place with uh, 290 points each. And Verstappen has said that he will help Perez win, uh, if, if need be. So we shall really see if that situation arises. I love it. I love it too. Yeah. Finally, Rob McDonald sends five dollars to say, "I wish they established MJF as a heel tonight." Now we have the third pay per view in a row with a face face main event. Not since Page versus Cole at Revolution. Hmm. Yeah. Um. 
there's there's a it was certainly an interesting play i'll say you know for mjf to go into this pay-per-view playing this pseudo babyface character i think by the time it's all revealed it will probably make a lot of sense uh i also wonder yeah what 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 they're what sort of like pre you know what what sells this show more effectively if you had had a, a straight heel babyface dynamic accompanied by like the elite coming up versus this build like the number will tell us something like if this don't like it, it it's going to be tough for this to beat. i think last year's full gear was 155 so i think this is going to be the second show in a row that they don't beat the prior years 155 would be if they hit 155 then i would say mjf moxley and the elite those would be your your key reasons like those are the five that are moving this number right yeah and obviously the lack of cm punk you know so yeah, yeah. we'll see we'll see all right. Thanks, everyone, for the uh, the super chats. We'll go over to the forum. And Alex Patel writes, not really sure what to make of the ending. Not Mox's best work. Seemed like a sketch show instead of a blood feud. I feel like this would have been better if not as overbooked with the Stokely guys getting involved. It was hot enough with just the two of them and Regal. That's a very fair point of criticism. You know, like when it was strictly Mox and MJF cutting promos on each other. Um, and if they just kind of continue to build on that, the way we've seen with MJF feuds in the past, just kind of picking at, at Moxley's character and, and, and Moxley retorting and doing the same, would this program be hotter than it is now? Very good question. Um, I haven't loved, you know, the, the firm's involvement thus far either. I will also maybe wait to, to you know, make judgment until like after the story is over, you know, does, on Saturday. Does it not feel like a year ago that the last go home segment we had going into All Out was Ace Steel cutting the promo of his life, Jesus. and then CM Punk going into the crowd doing that <laughs> crazy like sermon yeah. in Chicago? Like yeah. that was just unbelievable, and that feels like it was a year ago. Like the week when we were celebrating ace steel as like this is the highlight of his career this promo he was awesome on that show that was that was the biggest week uh, i'm sure by far of his entire career career you know to to go from wednesday being celebrated as just like oh where where has this guy been his whole life you know i can't wait to see more of ace steel to by the saturday like (laughs) biting you know like and probably not 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 to be seen at least in this company um maybe forever um, so really interesting week that he had that did feel like a long time ago. That'll be the title of his autobiography. A really interesting week by a steel <laughs> Muggin says, my gut tells me that Freeman and the firm are still in cahoots. It would break my heart to see the BCC break up before the JAS do death triangle versus top flight. And AR Fox was the match of the night. And the elites return was a scene from a mile away outcome, a solid go home show. It should and- have been seen from a mile away. Like that was the, like, we don't have to trick people like it's like you're selling a show and this show needs as much of a push as possible. You are down your big star like you can't be just, hey, spend your 50 bucks and like maybe you'll get the elite. Hopefully not. Like sometimes that works. Like there's been times that strategy has worked. I don't think this is the time for that. I think you needed to make it very clear um, that you have your main event and then you have your elite. That's your one two punch on this pay-per-view and you needed to make that very clear. I think in watching wrestling, you know, like it's it's always a good reminder to realize that the goal of a wrestling promoter is to not necessarily make us guess about an outcome. It's to make us interested in watching the next episode. 
And that really comes before all else, you know, that, and that was the case with the, the white rabbit stuff as well. You know, it, it, you just have, you're not trying to necessarily surprise too many people. You're just trying to keep them interested enough to watch the next episode. And I, I think they especially needed to do that tonight. Just, you know, considering how important they are to this pay-per-view. Last word goes here to Michael Rivera. I thought it was an okay show overall. The acclaimed had one awesome music video. The Samoa Joe promo was short and sweet, and Bandito had a good showing against Ethan Page. I can't wait to see Bandito and Claudio go at it down the line. The Mox MGF segment was mid. If I was being sold on that one segment alone, I would have skipped the pay-per-view. It does feel a bit paint-by-numbers, packing a hot opener, a taste of pre-match physicality, surprise opponents, stare-downs, long-overdue video packages, and fiery promos for the last week. A culmination of big matches that should feel bigger, yet they're victims to an overstuffed show layout week after week. It's all good stuff, but just too hurried to be great. I definitely agree with the overstuffing of the show. Um, did it, like, they've always been overstuffed, though. You know, and, and like, previous AEW pay-per-views, I feel like, you know, um, I don't, I never sense that sort of negativity. Um, like, was it overstuffed to the point that it, it was particularly detrimental to this particular build? I don't necessarily feel that way. Like, if anything, it, I, I think it's the whole punk and elite drama that's probably cast a, you know, pretty negative shadow that's over, you know, overtaken a lot of, of the stories that they've been trying to build. Yeah. This is, um, it's one of the more interesting pay-per-view numbers in some time because it's going to answer several questions like what the impact of punk has, um, on the show what what the effect of all the the all out stuff has on just the AEW consumer uh, coming back and you know so, some of like the build to this like there was a lot of negativity towards Jeff Jarrett and I wouldn't say mm-hmm. in like the good kind of way um to me it was it was more so just a um a sentiment against the company of just it seemed like a pretty vocal side of people that did not want to see this direction fair or not of what Jeff Jarrett represents and and then you you couple it like this is you know I, I wouldn't say on paper this is like this as deep as some of the AEW shows but I still feel like it should be a pretty good show overall but it's it's really to me this show is being built off of it's drawing off of two matches and I think that that's very clear and the rest is um what, what, was it a mistake not to have Brian Danielson in a more prominent match on the show? Yeah, possible. Um, or Chris Jericho for that matter. You know, yeah, we know he's kind of an ROH guy right now. They're clearly kind of setting that up, you know, for, to, for him to have a prime role at final battle. But, you know, was this a more important show for him to have a big match on? Well, that's the balancing act is that that match with Claudio is probably carrying final battle. And is that more effective on a final battle? That's, going to come nowhere close to this show by wise that Jericho and Claudia would it have, would it have boosted this show at all? Or is that viewer already buying full gear that you might as well save it for the secondary show? Yeah. I don't know if Claudio versus Jericho again would have made any sort of difference like to, to, um, uh, full gear. Danielson um, and Junakiyama. What would that have added oh, to this pay-per-view? Forget it. Forget it. Yeah. No, Eddie Kingston, not on the show either. Yeah. Which I mean, you know, it, it just seems like he, like, as we've said, there's going to be people in these pay-per-view cycles that are odd men out, and he's one of them. What if at the end of Rampage, they're like, tomorrow night, Eddie Kingston, Junakiyama? I know that there's people that expect that Junakiyama gets added to, like, the buy-in or something the next night. Like, he's going to be there. Like, that's, honestly, like, if you're catering to this, to this particular audience, I think that's strong enough to, to be one of 14 matches on a pay-per-view, you know? 
I don't really care if it's if it's on the paper or if it's on the show. I, I think that's a cool addition if they end up doing it the next night. Um, yeah, which they, they very well could out of that tag match, and you do Kingston and Akiyama the next night. I mean, mm-hmm. that's that's really setting the bar high for 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 a buy-in potentially. All right, uh, that is officially the end. Of, dude, were we recording? <laughs> Shut the fuck up, man. <laughs> The worst thing you could tell tell somebody who's just gone through that. All right. That is it. Uh, Postwrestling.com. Go check out MCU later, and uh, we'll see you later in Newark. An asshole. This is, it's uh, 5.48 in the morning. Uh, calling you from uh, the parking lot of my job, and I just wanted to leave uh, a memory. Uh, I remember when uh, John Pollock... Uh, Oh, by the way, this is Brandon from New Jersey. Um, I just, I'm sorry. I just, <laughs> I just, <laughs> I, I remember when I, I sent uh, an email, John recognized the name and, uh, yeah, man, I, I can't believe this guy recognized who I was. Uh, I guess from the shirt all days, uh, shirtdog.com when I was a shit poster on, on their forums and whatnot. Ever since then, I've made a uh, tremendous friends in the community and, uh, Friends that I'll cherish forever, like you know, Davey Braden, John Cena, uh, Fire Frank, Moo, uh, Chris Leone, Larone, Dickie Bird. Because of the community you guys fostered, you and Way, I would never have been friends with those guys that are friends forever, basically. And I would never have gone to great lengths to be annoying uh, on on said podcast and whatnot, uh, uh, and uh, traveling to Canada multiple times to see my said friends and, and you guys uh, who I can I guess we can call each other friends I hope so I mean if not it's cool you know what I mean but uh, anyway uh, here's to five years and to uh, five more of uh, a decade here's to a decade of excellence maybe and uh, more more annoying calls to come uh, thank you Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.